Jesus is the only way to have peace with God. Though there is only one way to God, everyone's journey to Jesus is unique and magnificent. Here is a story of one's journey to Christ, now on Redemption Report. Welcome to the next episode of Redemption Report. I have with me a friend of my mom's, actually, who is here. I'm recording this episode in Colorado, and her name is Linda. So, Linda, thank you, and I don't know a lot about you, so I'm excited, just along with the listeners, to get to know you tonight and hear about what what God is doing and has done in your life. So welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know my mom had... Put out from what I understand a request of several different people, and you were one that said, "Hey, I'd like to share my story." So I, I love that. I love knowing that people want to share their story; they're eager to share it. I think that's definitely wonderful. Yes, um, God has done a lot in my life, so I'm thankful to be able to share it. Yeah, thank you. So, if you can start me off with just giving giving me an understanding of your background, like who you are as a person, like how you grew up, kind of your background. Um, where where did you grow up? Did you grow up in here in Colorado? Or? I did uh, grow up in Colorado, here in Colorado, and I grew up in Boulder, Colorado. Okay. And uh, um, I, when I was, it starts from the very beginning when I was born, actually. Uh, when I was born, I was premature, two pounds, had a heart murmur, and was given up for adoption. Wow. And uh, God was so... Um, loving, he gave me a family, <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> so, uh, but when I was, so, you know, really grateful to have the family that he gave me, uh, and that's just totally amazing that he did, and uh, so <clears throat> when I was in third grade, well, after I was adopted, I was adopted as a baby, then two years later, my mom and dad uh, adopted another little girl. So uh, then when I was in third grade, my mom got got us both together and told us that we were adopted. But during that time, I was thinking, I don't know if it was my age or what, but I was thinking, well, feelings of like rejection or abandonment because I was thinking, why did my, why was I given up, you know? And at that time and at that age, that's what I was thinking. My sister had a different take on it. But um, so then I always had those thoughts, you know, why was I given up and, you know, that type thing. So um, there was a little bit of uh, my early teens. There was um, some some abuse, not my mom and dad, but abusive things that had happened. I was violated, I guess you could say. And uh, my first child, I had her, I was pregnant with her uh, at the age of 16. I had her a month after I was 17. And um, uh, with her now today, I I have, she has a family and she's done really well. And she, uh, I have a granddaughter that is graduating in May. Wow. And she's got accepted to a university. That's really exciting. Yes. Yeah. So that... That sounds really challenging to to start off your life not really, you know, you know, you grow up just like any other kid and then to find out, you know, the adoption piece of it mm-hmm. and then to not really understand, you know, why and ask those questions. Did you ever, you know, 
get any satisfactory answers from your, your adopted parents? Or did you struggle with that for a majority of your life? Or how did you find that out? Well, I uh, struggled with that most of my, most of my early years. And uh, uh, there was a time, time in my life that God kind of showed me that um, my biological mother really did love me. That's why she gave mm-hmm. me up for adoption. But it took me a long time to get to that point. Sure. And so then, um, as we, and so then, you know, I had my daughter at the age of 17, my oldest daughter at the age of 17. I, when I turned 18, I ended up working at Rocky Flats. And uh, when um, I met some people there, and uh, well, right before that, um, I broke up with uh, my daughter's um, father. Mm-hmm. And my heart hurt so bad that um, me and my sisters are going to church. We did go to church, you know, a little bit as a family. But then I think something happened in the church where at at some point in time, my parents just dropped us off at church. Okay. So then, um, but after I broke up with my daughter's um, da- father, um, I my heart hurt really bad. And so, you know... We started going to church, me and my sister. She's two years younger than me. We started going to church. She wanted to get baptized, so I got baptized. We were going to Bible studies and that type thing, and that's around the time where I ended up getting a job at Rocky Flats, and I was uh, worked in HR and insurance and a switchboard operator. And But I met these people there, and, uh, you know, they asked me to— um, you know, they asked me to go to bars with them, and at that point in time, and I wasn't as, you know, uh, of age yet, but I went ahead and I chose to compromise, and I think that's key there. Mm-hmm. I chose to compromise. And from that point in time, things kind of went downhill. I ended up starting living with them, and then I seen my sister. She wasn't happy with me because of the crowd that I was hanging around. And how old were you at this point? Um, when all this she, was going on, she was nineteen, so I was—I must have just turned twenty-one. Okay. Because okay. Uh, the last time I seen her, we had an argument because of the people that I was hanging around, and she yeah. didn't like it, and she had every right not to like it. Yeah. And um, then after that, she got killed by a drunk driver. Wow. At the age of nineteen. So then, my parents were going to. Um, uh, court appearances and stuff, and all my whole and I had had an older brother. He was our biological son. He's nine years older than me. We all had different ways of dealing with the grief, mm-hmm. and it kind of tore our family apart. Well, then um, during that time, uh, I and the people that I lived with, um, they were the the uh, you know um, abusive. Never knew knew when they were going to explode and over nothing and. Um, it got to the point my life ended up being a self-medicated life mm. if I wasn't with drugs. And if I wasn't up, I was down. And then uh, one at one point, I was um, there was this one drug that had a hold of me so much, and it was kind of costly. And I remember thinking, this is stupid. And God instantly uh, delivered me from that wow. drug. So you, you mentioned God there. What was the first time in your life that you heard the name of Jesus or kind of made, like, what was your understanding of God growing up? 
Well, growing up, um, my understanding of God was you don't do this and you don't do that, and it was all rules, <laughs> you know, and um, and that there's a judgment to come, okay. you know. And did you grow up in church, or is that just kind of what your parents had taught you, or just kind of what you well, well, had both heard the or... church and okay, I would not go to that church anymore. No, I know, but right, you know, you had but, learned that uh, the from way, the church you went to, the and... church and my family because they went to that church, and that's okay. what they knew also, you know. Sure. And when so... was the first time you'd heard about Jesus? You know, kind of the fact that you know, it sounds like you would have heard about Jesus at this church, but the, the let's say the real Jesus, the one that actually. Loves okay. you and, and, and yes. came for you. When would you say the first time you heard about it? Not necessarily when you believe, but when you first heard about well, it. Well, um, going through all that stuff, um, it was a dark, dismal time. Well, after I met my husband, that was he became my best friend. And then we got married, and then we had our younger kids. Uh, uh, that's when I wanted to start going to church and do the right thing. Okay. You know, um, but before then, um, it just didn't stop there um, because uh, uh, my life was a mess. It was a total mess. Um, I ended up, um, at one point in time, I was in so much despair, and I was still trying to deal with my, you know, being adopted. My sister got killed by a drunk driver, all this stuff happening, and I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with everything so at one point I was in such despair and anguish I tried to kill myself mm. and I stabbed myself in the nectar artery and then I fell asleep and in the morning when I woke up I remember I felt uh, you know this feeling of dark dark and gloomy feeling and um, but you know I knew that morning if I didn't go to the um, hospital I was gonna die so I went to the hospital, and um, here I am today. I'm still alive. God has yeah, been taking care yeah. of me. Yeah. And uh, he's been watching me this whole time and taking care of me and making sure, you know, that I'm being taken care of. And then I remember those people. Well, then things would happen with those people that I told you about before I met my husband mm -hmm. that I met from Rocky Flats. Sure, sure. Um, you know, the abusive type stuff and everything. Um, then I would leave, and then they'd say all the right things, and then I'd go back, and then it was just a vicious cycle. And he watched watched me through all that and took care of me. And I remember walking one day saying, you know, um, during that time, I am miserable. And he heard that. And he, in not easy circumstances, but he pulled me out of yeah. there. And uh, during that time, I was still not doing very well at all. But then during that time, after leaving those people, and for good, because God made it to where it was that way, um, not easy circumstances, but good circumstances, mm -hmm. because I was able to leave for good. Sure. So it sounds like growing up, you know, you had kind of this uh, kind of authoritarian, like, God wants you to do right or else type of yeah. mindset. And so throughout your life, right? I would imagine your lens through what you saw life was, well, you know, I'm on my own, you know, I've kind of been on my own and I have, I have to do what it takes. And, you know, I, I just, I can't worry about God. I have to worry about what makes me, you know, get through life. And, you know, I, cause that type of God probably didn't sound too attractive to you. So it's probably easier to, to push away. Is that a good explanation of kind of where your mind was? Uh, yes, um, I uh, 
Yeah, I, well, I knew he was always there because it felt like I was always pushing him away, like, no, yeah. you know, and keep on. Okay, Because okay. you can't do those things. I don't know, it's like I was doing those things, but I knew that he was there, but I kind of forgot about him. But yeah. yet there was still that part of me that knew he was sure. there. And um, because when those people asked me to go to the bar, I remember saying, well, what about God, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I compromised in my okay. choices. But the thing, yes, and then um, I thought I had to be strong. And then when my sister um, got killed by a drunk driver, and I thought I couldn't show any emo emotion over it because I was the bad person. Mm. And so um, I did break down once, and that's when I was walking with my mom out of the memorial service uh, after seeing my sister in the casket, and she had a pitted face. Not good. And, um, but anyway, so, um, after I left those people, that's when I met my husband okay. and, um, God also delivered him from drinking because he was drinking at the time. Sure. And he has some drinking years. Wow. That's yeah. great. He, God instantly delivered him too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I appreciate you going through all those tough times. I mean, I, I know with all of our stories, there's a lot of details and you've chosen just to, to share those openly, you know, about the uh, suicide attempt or the issues that you've struggled with. So I, I really appreciate you being transparent and open with that. I really respect that a lot. And I'm thankful that God has given you that ability to speak openly about it. Um, Thank you. What was the, uh, the circumstance surrounding when you did have an understanding of who Jesus was and you did accept him? What was that after meeting your husband or what, what happened when you finally made that connection that God doesn't hate me or God, you know, does want more than just good works, you know, good versus bad. So uh, I met my husband. We got married. We had a, uh, Michael, my son, and Melissa, and five years later, Melissa. But when Michael, uh, bef Melissa was a baby, and so I wanted something different for my kids. I want to do the right thing, you mm -hmm. know, take them to church. I want to do good. I want something different for my kids. And so... Um, Eventually, we ended up at Life Fellowship, and, um, <clears throat> you know, I went there, and I had a, you know, d discerning air, trying to figure out, is this a good church, you know, listening to see if what was being said is the truth, you know, <laughs> and so... Uh, <clears throat> One thing that there's two people that really played key there. Um, they were godly influences that really has helped me through the whole situation. Well, I I was going there, take my kids to church, thinking I'm doing the right thing, and then um, I uh, said this pr prayer, and you know, for God to do anything that it takes. But He used these two godly people there that were a huge influence in my life, and. Pastor Ed Bulkley, and what really got, he would, you know, the things he would share, it's like, oh, that's how you live? Different than the world. And so it's like was like an exercise. I would throw out the things, deceptive lies and stuff that I've learned from the world and bring in the truth. And it was like an exercise. And one thing that really uh, stood out to me is uh, he was so serious about God's word and how he reverenced God's word and the things that he would say. It's like, oh, that's how you live. And then his wife, Marlo, he, she, one, one thing that really, uh, one thing she said that was really huge is um, uh, how you don't live your li life um, 
having your circumstances and feelings dictate your life. It's like, wow, I never heard that before. That's something new. And then just watching, even from a distance, seeing just the way she conducted herself, how she talked to people, and just seeing someone like that was so different than what I was used to that it just was quite an influence on me. And so that was huge. But And then started going to Bible studies and that type thing. And um, God uh, <clears throat> definitely changed my life. Yeah. Yes. It sounds like he, he used, you know, the responsibility of being a parent and knowing I'm responsible for these children and I want to parent them well. We need to get into a church. And then you started you know, through the preaching of his word and through um, just revealing different things, people that were involved in the Bible study, those are the things that drew you closer to him. It wasn't just right. like, boom, all at once. What, do you remember when you accepted Christ as your Savior, where you kind of humbled yourself and said, God, I I admit that I'm not able to do this. I'm a sinner. I, I need Jesus. Okay, yes. Well, I said that prayer, you know, like every week I would say, you know, when they say, who wants to accept Jesus, you know, raise your hand, whatever. I do it every week, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, and then one time, and it was the Holy Spirit. Um, I was sitting there next to my husband, listening to Pastor Ed, and he was preaching. And I remember praying, you know, do whatever it takes. I know that I cannot go to heaven being rebellious. And the thing is, I didn't even know that. That was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit. I'm, you know, he, you know, and that's amazing in itself. But then I went through something, and um, you would think that, you know, um, things go smoothly in a church. Well, sometimes it doesn't, you know, and sometimes that's where, you know, things can get haywire or whatever. And so, um, you know, and again, you know, Pastor Ed and Marlo have really been there through, you know, they have been there through a lot of the things that I went through, and that's really amazing to have a, that godly influence. How, However, you know, Satan goes to um, churches, I think, as a playground to still kill and destroy, and I was yeah. determined that he was not going to... Uh, you know, I was not going to be handed over to Satan. I was not going to do it. I was, you know, I wasn't going to go back to where I was before I married my husband. I was not going to. And then I remember um, talking to a late, well, I went to go see a lady and uh, I was going to go talk to her and she was on the phone. And my heart, another thing happened in my life. My heart hurt so bad that, you know, I was standing there waiting for her to get off the phone. And I said, you know, to, talking to Jesus, I said, you know, I'm trying to do things right. You know, I, you know, I don't know why I'm going through this. Um, and I've, and he just kind of impressed and felt like he came to me and said, I suffered too. And so, um, you know, he has worked through me. I've volunteered. I uh, ended up teaching at the uh, detention center to women inmates and uh, when they would say uh, you know that they're suffering or you know that you know they're going through something one thing I would tell them is you know what Jesus suffered too and yeah. we're not better than Jesus yeah that's a yeah. that's a great takeaway I, I like how when you you talked about 
accepting Christ and realizing, you know, when you finally realized what it was that you realized, I don't want to go back. And it wasn't just um, accepting Christ as a matter of convenience, um, as I understand what you're saying. Accepting Christ was, like you said, I don't want to go back because it's it's like a matter of life and death. Like I, I can't go back to the way I was or else I know where that road leads. And so that that's so beautiful that God revealed himself and it was a change in your heart and mind where you were like, no, I, I can't just do this casually. And it, that's evidenced by how you are mentioning that you got involved and do, did different things to help and continue to do so from what I understand. So that's great. You you mentioned earlier when you started going to that church and you had the pastor, you know, present things that you'd never heard in ways that you'd never heard, um, and then you started to make changes. Do you remember any significant changes that you did make in your life, whether it be, you know, right around the time of your conversion or, or after that, where you said, you know, I, this is one of those areas where I can't live life, and this is how I had to give it up? You know, knowing our identity in God, knowing his attributes, and knowing that you belong in his family, that's huge. He gives mm-hmm. you a Bible. He rev- That's what's amazing to me is how he reveals himself to me as well as you, mm-hmm. and that he loves us enough not to leave us in the muck and mire. He pulls us out. He, t- he does whatever it takes. And sometimes some things hurt. But you know what? He's a good loving father, and it's love, his loving kindness that leads to repentance. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's just knowing who he is. I think that was huge. Knowing who he is and knowing your identity in him, that was mm-hmm. huge for me. Yeah. And being part of his family. That's what I needed all along. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. A lot of times it's not so much of, well, you know, and, and I'm sure this, you know, it sounds like this was part of your story, like, you know, something obvious like, I was drinking and I stopped, or I was, you know, hurting people and I stopped, or whatever that, you know, obvious, like, give up. A lot of times those changes that are most powerful are the changes in the mind, where, like you said, I had a shift and I understood God was different than how I I thought him to be, or I, once I understood who he was, then I could believe him in a different way instead of believing him the way that I thought I should believe him, or how how I perceived it to be right and so and then sitting knowing the the people the godly influence the godly people that were influenced my life putting his word into practice and seeing that and hearing about it and contemplating and pondering on things and changing like romans 12 2 says you know renewing be transformed by renewing your mind right and yeah. that's what he does. He transforms. You know, you're in, become a new creature, and the old old is gone. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's done in my life. Yeah, that that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, what would you say has been your biggest joy since believing in Christ? Like before, you were this, but now you are this. What do you think has been your your biggest uh, joy? Um. Knowing him, yeah. <laughs> yes, knowing him, um, when I hear about him, when I, um, knowing that you, you know, can go to him in prayer and that he hears, hears you and, and, you know, you can trust him and he's safe and, and uh, that's huge for me and um, biggest joy, sometimes just hearing about him is a joy, hearing about him and praising him and worshiping him, that is joy. Yeah. You know, Jesus, others, yourself, joy. 
There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. I remember learning that song as a, as a kid. So that, that's definitely powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. If you were to, you know, as we, as we wrap things up, if you were to leave it, someone listening to this, who's hearing your story with a takeaway, like something that you'd say, if, if you didn't understand anything else about my story, this is what I'd want you to take away from my um, story of redemption. Um, what, what would that be? What would be that takeaway? Uh, the takeaway would be, you know, no matter where you're at, no matter how much you're hurting, um, where you're at, um, you know, you don't think anybody loves you or whatever it may be, um, there's hope, and the hope is in Jesus Christ, and the hope in Jesus Christ does not disappoint, and that he's always there for us, he hears us, he, want, he wants the best for us, and he wants to pull us into him. He's our loving Heavenly Father, and uh, you would never be alone with him, Yeah, and he's always there, always there to take care of his children. Certainly. Yeah, yeah that... That's a great advertisement for uh, what life in Christ is like. And I can just see it in your face, just the joy. You know, it sounds like um, you've had a lot of pain, a lot of heartache in your life leading up to um, where we're at today. But in spite of that, you do, like we said, have joy. And um, I, I'm just so thankful that God has saved you. And it's, it's evident, you know, it's evident that even just meeting you and getting to talk to you that there is joy and i think even as you got to start talking about it throughout you know there was that joy and even that peace came through where it's like oh i'm just having a conversation now i'm no no longer nervous because it is it is nerve-wracking to to meet a stranger and to be in this this type of setup but um thank you for for joining and For for telling your story today yes thank you for having me and thank you for letting me because i want people to know how good he is yeah And he is loving and good, and there's nothing better than him. Yes. Well, that's a great way to wrap up. Thank you. Appreciate it, Linda. Thank you. Really appreciate it, too. Thank you for having me. I want to express my appreciation to Linda for being open about some very hard and traumatic times in her life. The circumstances she faced certainly were used by God to draw Linda to himself and are a good reminder that God doesn't waste events, but uses each one to reveal his character and allow us to learn to trust. If life was easy or devoid of consternation, there would be little need to trust God. Isaiah 26.3 says that God will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Though my time with Linda was brief, it was clear that God had replaced much of the pain she had carried from her past with a genuine peace and joy. This concludes episode eight of Redemption Report. Next week, we'll hear the thought-provoking story of Phil Samuel. You'll definitely want to hear that. Be sure to leave a comment, like, and share this episode with others. TWearProductions.com contains more content along with my contact information. See you next time on Redemption Report. Redemption Report.